just start fresh. Who are we? Who are you? Who am I? I'm Abby. I live in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, I am close personal friend of Rebecca, who is also here. That's me. I live in Phoenix, Arizona. Blank. We used to live in the same city, and now we don't. So we are doing this very cool horror movie podcast as a way to keep connected with each other. Uh, we read Big Friendship by um, ooh, Amin, Rebecca, Anne, Amina Tao. And Amina Tao. I want to say so. so. I'm sorry, yeah, Amina Tao. I think Tao. it's so. I really apologize. I know you talk a lot in your book about... Uh, not trusting white people to not like butcher your name and experience so fuck me I'm sorry Um, but we just realized you know there's lots of ways to keep a big friendship alive and we both Mm -hmm. fucking love horror movies and we both miss each other and we're both pretty vehement anti-capitalist feminist um, anti-racist people so this just seemed like a really weird access point where our friendship could do something kind of crazy did we say the name of the podcast? <laughs> I don't think that it's, we did. Yeah, the second the podcast s- episode ever. The spooky no succubist. <laughs> I know. About your favorite unknowns. Your favorite anonymous. Your favorite anonymous white female podcasters. Yeah. Like the world needed more of us. Yes, That's this is a spooky true. succubus cast. Uh, we are an anti-racist, feminist, anti-capitalist horror movie podcast. We see and appreciate that people of color, women, trans people, uh, and gender non-binary people, and many other underrepresented groups have been excluded from the canon of horror movies outside of just being plot devices that typically die. And we want to explore why, and we want to try to take back some of our favorites. Yeah. And I mean, like... We have to dissect these movies as if they are important cultural moments and indicators like they are, because they are. So, yeah. Yes. So, made by white men for white men, but guess what? We're here, too, uh, and we're going to be really loud and shrill about it, because God, that's am all I that loud. we're capable of. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we're so both this week, a bit shrill, but that's good. I... I... I'm also fat and shrill, which is, like, a really dangerous combination. That's not how you want to see your ladies. You would be our first victim. I would be the... No, I would be the first victim because I'm brown. So I'd be... No, I wouldn't even even be there. I would be at the craft table. Like Yeah, I think, hmm. like, maybe if you were a black man, you could be the first victim. But sorry. Gotta have the slut go first. (laughs) I mean, in a fat slut? Like, no, I'm in trouble. Do you know that Adam told me that he's going to be mad at me for sharing this, but you shouldn't have said it if you didn't want me to share it. Our producer, Adam. I asked him, our producer, my life partner, uh, he, I asked him which of his friends he would eat in an apocalyptic emergency, and he was like, well, do I have to choose from them? Because they're all, like, pretty thin, like, some of them go to the gym, etc. Like, they're not going to be super appetizing. And then he was like, well, can I choose you to eat first? And I was like, pardon? Like, me, the light of your life? Your shining star? And he was like, well, you've often expressed that if there is an apocalypse, you don't want to try to survive it. And I think you would just be the tastiest. And I was like, touche. I mean, I, sort of a compliment. I, I agree. And I don't want to fight through, like, a zombie apocalypse to, like, definitely survive for 
whatever reason. Like, I'm just happy to be dead, you know? I... Okay, so when you eat the meat of animals, right, you're eating the muscle. You eat the muscle of the... And so if you're... The fatter you are, the less muscle you have. Is that how it works? So, like... Don't you, tell Adam that. <laughs> you can, So what are you going to eat then? That's, that's like, you couldn't eat a thin person. You couldn't eat a fat person. You got to find a muscly dude walking around to eat his bicep. That's what I think you would happen. Well, let's say if there's a muscly white guy walking around, he probably deserves to die anyway. Let's fucking reason. kill him. Fucking yeah. kill him. I don't care. <laughs> so today, sorry if you're a white man. I'm not sorry. We hate you. You're trash. Are there dude bros listening? Absolutely no, not. No, only Adam. And he's like rolling his eyes as he like produces it and makes us sound like angels. And then he's like, Ugh, yeah, I know. <laughs> So today we're talking about 2009's The House of the Devil, directed by Ty West. I love this movie. Uh, I have had seen it years ago because a guy I was dating, like, right after I got out of college, was really into horror movies. And he also, like, Noah Baumbach movies and be like, have you seen this one? Have you seen this one? I'm cool <laughs> and sophisticated. But really, he was just, like, a depressed guy that lived in his dad's basement and kind of just like drink Bud Light all day which like no shade I'm fine with that but you're not better than me and you know who you are yeah <laughs> uh, I I feel like that's probably the you know depressed I don't drink Bud Lights because I you know I drink to get fucked up shout out so. to Ben Kissel we see you babe Bud Lights um <laughs> I had never seen this movie until uh until Abby suggested that we do this I I would say I saw it once and rewatched it maybe every five years since, and I've always like really loved it. I just like thought it was delightful. Yeah, I can see that. I it wasn't my. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I was um fine, the whole time. That's how I feel. <sighs> you know what? <laughs> I'm very sorry. It's it's gonna be our it's our first fight. They're full of disagreements, you know, but I'm willing to make it work. So Adam was like in the room with me when we were watching this and he was kind of paying attention. He was like sitting at the table, like smoking and playing Minecraft or whatever. And I was watching. And then a couple of days afterwards, I was like talking about the movie. And when it's from, I mentioned that it's from 2009. And he was like, what? No. I was like just made in 2009 like, I legit thought it was an 80s movie Like the mm. whole time he thought we were watching a real 80s movie And I mean, that's if, what you get When you marry a stoner Right he's like oh ho oh, oh. ho Yeah Caesar would have said <laughs> the same thing <laughs> What? What? I mean if Caesar was not in the room when I watched this But he Is thinks Caesar that Caesar really into scary He's into scary movies right? No he hates them He hates scary movies He thinks they're boring He's never scared He's too manly to be scared apparently I think it's false He is Well I mean I'm never scared either But they're just like a fun thing to Yeah watch. It's like a fun romp in the You know In a different like experience and reality other than yours I was more afraid of the fly on Biden On Whoa same person, essentially old like guy on Pence's on Pence's head last night. Did you see that meme that was like a screenshot of the kind of like Biden um, labeled or sorry, uh, branded fly swatter? Yeah, they like and then next to it was like a shriveled drawing of a person that was like, "I need health care, please." <laughs> I was like, "So true." That's the DNC. <laughs> 
god uh, but anyway but yeah, that's his, not what we're here to we're talk not about. here talking about the whatever weekend at bernie's situation is happening with mike pence <laughs> oh um <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's so, it's so bad. I was like, he probably is decomposing. Like, no it's, shade. But he fucking looks like it and acts like also, it. Also, but we shouldn't be giving airtime to the fly because anyway. that is something that distracts from the real issues in America, which is that black mothers are dying at an alarming rate. People don't have housing and women are getting forced hysterectomies in ice camps. So yeah. remember that while we're making fun of Pipe Pence, while we're watching these two conservative people, because Kamala Harris is conservative, mm-hmm. um, debate against each other, we're just being distracted from the pack fact that this administration is killing people by the thousands so and the administration before them and the administration before them and but you know it's just on and on let's yes american democracy is a lie we need to burn it to the ground and build a socialist mutual aid state so again wait (laughs) are we a horror podcast what are we listening to podcasts are we making Adam will clean it up in post. No, everything okay. is political. Anyway, let's get <laughs> so to the, the pl- plot of this movie. So Rebecca listened to the Rotten Horror Picture Show briefly. Thank you, Clay. And he mentioned, what movie was he talking about when he said this? There's a he difference talk- between happenings and story. He was talking about this one. So it's hosted by this Clay movie? and Amanda. Yeah, it's her name. And yeah, so this is kind of how I feel about this movie. Is that like, there's a difference between what he said. There's a difference between happenings and story. And this movie is heavy on the happenings and light on the story. It's very like, the fuck is going on? Is this, what's happening? Can something happen? I would love that. But. Somehow it will still probably take me like 40 minutes to talk through the plot, even though there's basically no story. That's fine. I have a seltzer. I'm ready. I shouldn't have had a seltzer because I am suppressing so many burps right now. And I'm just (laughs) like turning red in the face as I try to get through this. So our protagonist is Samantha. She is a college student low on cash that wants to rent a house to get out of a bad housing situation with a roommate. So she has to come up with some money to rent said house in just a few days. She calls the number on a leaflet advertising a babysitting job and arranges to meet the man advertising the job. The man stands her up, but he later calls her back and states that he needs someone urgently, and she agrees. When she meets Mr. Ullman, who is the man, he confesses that he lied and that Samantha will actually be looking after his elderly mother-in-law. Samantha is resistant, but Mr. Ullman offers to pay her more if she stays. Sam's friend, Megan, who dropped her off, leaves and agrees to return later. Megan is unhappy with the situation. Megan and the Ullmans drive away. When Megan pulls off to light a cigarette, she is shot in the face by a creepy (laughs) man that approached her car. So it escalated pretty fast so quickly meanwhile samantha is exploring the house she discovers at some point in her exploration a photo that shows what appears to be the actual tenants of the home she continues to explore and then hears distant thudding coming from upstairs excuse me distinct it's pretty close so she approaches the door that is the source of the noise and asks if everything is all right thinking that the elderly mother is behind the door to the viewer uh with the camera very long shot on the other side of the door we see the dead family that was pictured in the photograph samantha discovered earlier placed on a satanic looking altar 
Samantha ordered pizza, and when it arrives, it is delivered unbeknownst to Samantha by the guy that shot Megan, creepy man. (laughs) She discards it because it tastes weird and then goes up to the attic feeling faint. And the last shot we see before Samantha passes out is a door begin to open and a very crone-like hand emerges. Mm. Samantha then wakes up in restraints, laying on a painted painted pentagram in the basement. Creepy man, the almonds, and a witch surround her. This creature draws a pentagram in blood on Samantha's stomach and cuts her wrist and pours the blood through a goat skull into Sam's mouth. Samantha breaks free, stops Mr. Ullman, and runs upstairs where she stumbles over Megan's body in the kitchen and is chased by a creepy guy and Mrs. Ullman. Uh, she's able to kill them both and runs out of the house into a cemetery while still in possession of creepy man's gun. Mr. Ullman finds her and tells her that it's too late before she shoots herself in the head. The final scene shows Samantha wrapped up in a bunch of bandages in a hospital bed and the nurses tell her that she's going to be fine both of you so it we understand that a demon baby is gestating in her uh uterus it's and like that rosemary's baby but not as but good. boring but boring <laughs> <laughs> well personally my argument is that this is a tight not quite subversion but at least kind of like fun homage to an 80s slasher fit flick and um i like that we you know have an element of like oh the satanic panic but then it's actually like but it was real but yeah but it's It's not satanic panic because they were because it actually happened they were satanists i guess i don't yeah okay so i didn't love the movie i'm not gonna say i hated it i kind of disliked it no offense um to anyone i have poor taste don't worry um but yeah it's just like Okay, we follow a white girl as she runs around, and then in the last ten minutes of the movie, they paint a pentagram and put a baby in her. The end. I don't know. I don't know. I just wasn't. I wasn't bowled over. I like a slow burn, sort of. This is like a pretty serious slow burn. I'll this admit is, it. This is this is like a slug slug paced slow burn. That's why I kind of like that. You have to assume that every single detail is significant, and so many of them just aren't. But right. you still were like really attentive the whole time. A pizza, the eclipse, yeah. Candies in a dish. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. I was like, so, are they poisoned I, candies? Is something finally going to happen? No. I mean, well, then Megan, Megan quickly gets shot in the face like two seconds after that. So, okay. So, Megan gets shot in the face at what, like the, I want to say the 30, 40, 30 minute mark maybe 35 I think it was more like 45 yeah okay 45 and then nothing happens for another 45 minutes it's just like I don't know whatever let's get into it and not my (laughs) hatred of it it's okay I mean people will already feel that you hate it so maybe they won't enjoy your commentary that much but I'll I'll take the burden of this one um, since (laughs) Since I'm, you know, a purist and I love this movie. So uh, one of the early shots that establishes our traditional horror movie shot uh, tropes is that we see a mother-daughter dynamic set up in the first few shots with Samantha in the potential rental home. She um, meets her landlady, who is a blonde white woman um, that has a very nice trench coat on. And she's set up as the sort of like perfect virginal brunette 80s final girl the landlady oh go ahead 
I was just going to say the landlady is already, like, we're already comparing Samantha to, like, unknown lesser females. So, like, she's, it's pounded in right up top. Lesser females that are uh, not in frame or on screen to defend their reputations. Mm -hmm. So the landlady says that Sam reminds her of her daughter and says that she got a bad feeling about another female applicant and that she's trusting her gut. And this is uh, kind of fun later when Samantha literally doesn't trust her gut one single time in the whole other course of the movie. And then they impregnate her gut, so. Gut probs. Gut problems. I can, can, you know, appreciate that. Uh, So we know that the reason that Samantha is seeking a rental home is because her roommate is too sexy and likes to put clothes on the floor. Yeah, she, yeah, the roommate is... Like, she's not our slut. She's not our movie slut. She's our tertiary slut. Um, she is a just, like, innocent slut that got caught in the wheel work of this movie. Right. In the, in the characteri- characterization <laughs> of Samantha. Um, yeah, she's messy and she, like, has band posters on her wall and she has sex. So she's bad. Yes. We understand this when Samantha innocently tries to return to her dorm room with her Walkman in her backpack and there's a sock on the door because her female roommate is daring to exercise sexual agency at like nine in the morning on a Wednesday or whatever. Disgusting. At least she put a sock on the door, you know? At least she didn't like force that on anybody else, I guess. I mean, yeah, good on you. Unnamed (laughs) roommate with sock. Unnamed female roommate. So Sam has her agency... Uh, kind of manipulated by both the actions of the roommate and the landlady's request that she come up with some money within a matter of like four days. Mm-hmm. Um, we see some elements of Sam's agency being removed as well as classism. Samantha is poor, so she's forced into a situation that puts her life in peril. Um, mm-hmm. Megan is wealthy. Megan, her friend, has you know the ability to just kind of snap her fingers and make money appear for Samantha if necessary. But meanwhile, you know, Samantha is barely scraping by and has to take a really weird babysitting job just to afford a place to live. Right. And she wants to do it on her own. Like, Megan offers to ask her dad for money and Sam says no. She wants to do this. She wants to, like, figure out her situation on her own. She wants to live on her own. She went to the house by herself. She, like, seems like an independent, intelligent woman. So arguably, Samantha and Megan both die because the capitalist American tenant of individualism, which makes you think you're the most important person in the world and that you should have to do every single thing by yourself and prove your worth as an individual that contributes to society. In a socialist society, Megan and Samantha are still alive today. Right. Fuck capitalism. But I mean... now... Oh, what do you... Tell me. No, I was just going to say, but I mean... I still like Megan, even though she's rich. Uh, Megan being rich is the least interesting plot point about her because yeah. Megan is our slut. We have I love the slut. And we have our slut. And this podcast, we stand the slut. Right. I really do. I don't love that word. It's like one of my least favorite words, but um, We're fair. taking the word back. We're taking it back. And horror movies, like really want you to hate sluts and I disagree I love them and I love a good slut I spent some formative years as a slut I uh we both did didn't catch HPV until I was in a committed relationship which (laughs) seems ironic um but 
You know, life is a mystery. What's that saying? Like, you trip and fall. I feel like RuPaul said it in a movie. <laughs> yeah. You, like, trip and fall into HP. Like, it's on the walls. So It is. H- I, who knows? HP. But I have the nice kind of HPV that probably goes away by itself. Uh, so keep I'll keep everybody posted. Uh, you know, I'll have a pap smear coming up next <laughs> August, and I will inform you of the results at that time. Um, vaginas are not scary. Don't be afraid of them, men out there. Right. They're just body parts. No one can hurt you with um, their vagina. So like so, yeah. Megan. Yeah, I she's... am vulgar, grotesque, overprivileged, <laughs> blonde, and crass. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, Megan's gross. She's, like, eating pizza and sucking on her finger. She smokes cigarettes. How, how dare. Disgusting. She I references never a, smoked a cigarette. Me neither. <laughs> um, she references a boyfriend. We don't ever see them. He's not, like, a main point, but he does, like, so she definitely is, pr- like... She's having sex. Presumably, yeah, she's, she's fucking. So we have our... Virgin, we have our anti-virgin. We now have the setup for the bare bones of a horror flick because one of them's going to die, right? Right. And then we have our classic bad guys, our our ugly equals bad guys. They're ugly. They're old. They're super rich. They're scary. Um, Mm -hmm. Mr. and Mrs. Ullman, they are some pretty serious weirdos. Mm -hmm. Um. So, yeah, Mr. Ullman is gross. He's tall. He's liver spotted. He has a limp. He is kind of framed by frailty. Um, He's afraid of his wife. He's kind of predatory. So he is established as an ugly, fearful, uh, frail, bad person. So this is ableism at its best here in House of the Devil. Because your outward appearance shouldn't dictate how you're framed in anybody's viewing or estimation. But um, we're falling victim to those tropes right here in some of our favorite movies. Right. Ugly equals bad. Always in horror movies. Always. Fat is bad. Ugly is bad. Old is bad. Mm -hmm. What else? Female. Having any sort of... Non-binary. Yeah, non-binary. Trans. Bury your gaze is definitely a trope in horror movies. So if they ever if put you an LGBTQ, a, oh yeah, that would be a stretch, a stretch. Yeah. Yes. So uh, we know that Mr. and Mrs. Ullman have selected Samantha for this job, quote unquote. We know that they think she is perfect for the job. We understand that Mrs. Ullman is older. She uh, is envious and also sort of in awe of Sam's youth, beauty, desirability. She references Samantha's sort of virginal qualities by saying the boys must love you and your mother must worry. Um, We don't know what makes her perfect for this job in the estimation of the Ullmans, but to us, we see that she's been set up as our virgin. So we know some of the qualifications are being young, beautiful, virginal, a little bit desperate, a little bit naive, and in this case, brunette. Right. Classic 80s female final girl, brunette. Brunette, I white, think thin. the actress is great. I think that she has really dreamy bangs. Jocelyn and, uh, Donahue. Jocelyn Donahue. And, uh, like, way to wear a pair of jeans. Like, she right. looked good. God love her. <laughs> Excuse me. Satan love her. Satan. <laughs> Satan help us. Um, 
And then later we see, so Mrs. Ullman, we only, we don't see very, like, she doesn't have a lot of screen time. She comes in after Megan um, gets the job and then, like, says these weird things about her looks and then fucking dips. And then we see her at the end and she's bald. How dare she be bald? Disgusting. She's wearing a wig that maybe she cut in the bathtub for some reason. We, are, <laughs> we don't we know. Clear on that. We're having tub problems part two. Tub. Oh, my God. I don't understand. A lot of it's... bathtub problems. So, yes, we know that Mrs. Allman is aging, presumably sick or uh, frail in some physical way. But her baldness equals her frailty, which equals her ugliness, which equals her inherently evil nature. Mm-hmm. I mean, same thing with Mother Mother Witch Mother Demon. Mother Witch Demon. This is our um. This entity appears in our notes as Mother slash Witch Witch slash Demon, which is how she will heretofore be referred to <laughs> for as. M-W-D. Yeah, so Mother Witch Demon is evil because she's ugly. We know that. Um, creepy guy. I don't know. I thought creepy guy is like. Not like particularly traditionally no. unattractive. He's got a beard. He and fingerless gloves. I don't. That's yeah. I mean, like a semi chubby chubby guy with a beard. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm no, into I don't it. Have a problem with it. <laughs> um, but yeah. Oh, so and the, is he their son? Who knows? I don't know. We can assume that he's, he is their son, but it's yeah. almost irrelevant. Like the characterization of the Ullmans, creepy guy and mother witch, they don't even really need to have like faces or identities. They're just there to serve as like the ugly bad force that counters Jocelyn, Donahue's, Samantha's beautiful, angelic, um, virginal good. And I think that's like, yes, you're subverting that. Like, we don't know anything about them except for that they're ugly and creepy. Um, And that makes them bad. Like, he's very much on the binary. But, like, are you subverting it? Really? No. Like, it's... I take your point because, yes, it's a fun, well-made, tight, beautifully shot homage to 80s horror and, like, a little – with a little nod to the satanic panic. But there isn't really a lot of subversion of the genre, and there are a lot of opportunities, too. So I accept it for what it is, but I appreciate how you could want more out of this movie. Right. I don't, yeah, I don't want to shit on it too much, but. You can shit on it. This is I'll our podcast that five people are listening to. I'll do what the fuck I want then. But. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we know that we have a lot of pretty traditional horror tropes, which is just fun to watch them, like, rack up. It's like Pokemon. you got to catch them all, you know? It's just a, <laughs> it's a. I've never actually played with Pokemon cards. Me we neither. Were, we were poor, okay? Same. We had Pogs because you could buy Pogs. I, yeah. You in could like get a set Pogs of 10. Like, you could also, I feel like, get them in like Happy Meals for a while. Like mm. Pogs were just easier to come upon just in the in the natural world, you know? I loved Pogs. I just like looking we, at them. Should we bring back Pogs? I, I'm bringing them back. If they're bringing back fucking mullets and and puka shells, I can bring back pogs. Guys, if you are white, if you're male, and if you're wearing a puka shell necklace right now, which I don't know how you got here. This isn't your, your This space. isn't a safe space for you. Not a safe space for you, but just 
think about why you're wearing puka shells. What are you offering to the world in those puka shells? What do they Nothing. make you like? What are they adding? PSA <laughs> on puka shells over. Um, yeah, I get that it's uncomplicated. And I, I, even though I had never seen this movie, I might as well have seen it. It was like very comforting in its familiar- familiarity. Yeah. So I get it. I get that. And I like like a good tension buildup. Um but yeah, there was like, and that like he, they were setting up jump scares that never came was fun, you know. It is, like, yeah. It's like you feel tense, but you also feel like totally comforted by the structure of the movie. So it's it was like I don't know. I think it's a slow burn with just a fun reward at the end. I like watching Samantha run through the house in her like classic final girl white nightshirt, like wielding a gun and yeah. a knife. Yeah, and a knife, just like fuck you my favorite part i think of the whole movie is the one the toilet scene where she's like putting toilet paper down on the toilet before she sits which is like Mm -hmm. don't we all do that and then don't do that you just bare ass on the on a toilet seat uh, Too much information. Listeners, listeners will Adam, recall. cut this out. <laughs> listeners will recall when I admitted to having HPV earlier in this episode. So is there a correlation? Bum, no bum, bum. <laughs> No, I uh, just bare ass on the toilet seat because I have places to be. And usually my bladder is like in the process of failing me as I'm lowering down. <laughs> wow. I never I have noticed a weak about bladder. you. You know that. I know. I do know that. I just, I hover it or I toilet paper it. You must have really strong thighs. I do. Yeah, that's true. It's the opposite of my upper body. How did we uh, get here? I don't remember. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Cut this whole part out. Oh, oh because no, my favorite her. part is when she's on the toilet. And then the other part that I really enjoyed that I was like having, like actively having a lot of fun was. When she gouges at the end, when she's, like, running away from the Satanists who are trying to impregnate her, she gouges creepy pizza creepy guys mans. out. Yeah. I like... Do you think good... you would be able to do that under duress? Absolutely not. It would freak me out. I can't imagine doing that. I'm definitely, like, in the fight or flight situation. I am flight 100%. Flight. I'm not, I'm not sticking around. Like, I think a lot about, like, when I'm in a space, where can I hide until, any you know, something blows over? I don't oh, want to yeah. flight even. I can't run very fast. Like, I just want to <laughs> sit quietly. Don't come for me. I'm not here. I don't exist. I'm not yeah. here. <laughs> so, yes. We can now talk about the relationship this movie has to other horror movies, slasher movies. Of course, we have our final girl. We know who our final mm-hmm. girl is from the literal first second. And I think it was really, like validating that the final girl and the slut were both kind of at the center of moving the plot forward and as far as sluts go we get a little bit more background on megan than we would normally get in a slut um right she has nuance she has character she has a volvo which I she was know. my favorite character Me hands too. down i love megan she she was us. I think she was also like the audience or she's like these people are fucking crazy. Don't go to this house. This guy lied yeah. to you. Don't do this. I want to stay with you. And she doesn't want any of the money. She doesn't want to share the money. She has enough of it. She's just like I want to make sure that you're sh- you're safe, safe. Um in and this space. And she was right. 
And she was fucking right. And Sam's an idiot, you know. We had to have a dumb final, a smart, quote unquote smart, but really actually dumb final girl who also runs up the stairs when she should be going out the back door. Get out of the door. Like, get out the front door. Nothing good will happen if you go up the stairs. Like, you just have to get out of the house. Yeah. Which is also a horror movie trope, so. So perplexing. No one in a horror movie has ever seen a horror movie. Like, we know what to do at home. We know where you got to go. But that's, like, my... You have to have a certain suspension of belief in horror movies. You know? Just... You have to. Because the protagonists are never going to act the way that you would act. Which is not go at all. But, yeah. Like, there are certain times I'm... I don't know. I don't... I... It is, like, something that I struggle with, suspending that disbelief. Because it's, like, Jocelyn slash Samantha, why did you go in there? There just wasn't... There wasn't a need, like, I am lazy. I would have taken Megan's money in two seconds. I don't give a shit. Like, eat the rich. Like, take his eat money. Eat the rich. Take daddy's money. Don't go money. into this person's weird house. What Why? What are you going to find upstairs? What noise are you looking for that's going to... Yeah. What's the value of investigating any further noises in this structure? Don't. Don't do it. No. Uh, I mean, and... Megan, are my favorite, she dies viciously because she's a slut. It is she a get- really challenging killing to experience as a viewer. Like, it's really brutal. She gets shot in the face. And we see it yeah. happen. Her and then we all gone. And then we see her not having a face later. Later on, yeah. And then the dude, the creepy pizza guy, presumably stole her pack of cigarettes and is smoking them throughout the rest of the movie. So... Which is just so rude. Such a like degradation, yeah. Yeah. Of the of our slut, our sweet, sweet slut. Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't think there's enough sub- subversion of the genre. There's like pointing it out for like fun little shit, but like, yeah. And I, we also have to point out that there are absolutely no people of color in this movie at all, let alone in significant roles, which would have been um, a great opportunity for a director to sort of, like, take back the 80s kind of slasher flick, um, satanic cult flick, and make it something better and something more inclusive and something more feminist and equitable. So it is a missed opportunity for sure. I mean, I I don't like the tokenism that happens, like, when we were talking about, like, casting BIPOCs in ro- in any role. Put them in any yeah. role in a movie. I don't love the tokenism of it, but like those actors are getting paid and then you are sort of giving some representation. But like also like maybe let's give black indigenous people of color opportunities to direct and write horror movies. Right. Jordan Peele is doing it, as- it. Yeah, we love you Jordan. Would you still see it as tokenism? If we had a BIPOC final girl, like if it wasn't just an incidental supporting character, but if our final girl who the narrative centers on is a black indigenous person of color, do you see it as still like kind of violent systemic tokenization or is it an opportunity for a woman of color or um, non-binary person of color to kind of like thrive and experience having like space that has normally been taken up by white women. Right. I think that that 
would be good and I don't know that I can think of a movie where that happens I don't know if I can think of if you know a black final girl in a movie black indigenous um transgender non-binary anything LGBTQ literally anything but I don't think I can think of anything except for did you see um there was that movie or that tv show briefly on Netflix uh, called Chambers and it was um, an indigenous girl that um, gets into she has a heart attack like a premature heart attack and gets a heart transplant from um, a white girl that died around the same time in the town that she is in so she is our kind of final girl and she's an indigenous person but then they like can't just like let an indigenous person have agency and identity so basically the white girl whose heart she had transplanted starts like taking over her identity it was like such a like joy to see an indigenous person build first with like a narrative that centered around an indigenous experience but then we just had to make it about white people anyway Right. I mean, I did just watch, it's a new Marvel movie that I didn't know was a Marvel movie, but it has Maisie Williams in it. Um, and from it From Got. From Got from the From the HBO hit series Got. Um, and she, uh, yeah, and so it's about an, like an indigenous girl who like starts to have powers and they send them all to this institution. And then she has a a love story with Maisie Williams character and so like they're just checking a bunch of boxes there it was okay but it also wasn't a horror movie but still that happened I mean it's I don't just don't think it's true that like any representation is good representation like there just right, needs no. to be more thoughtfulness and there's so many opportunities and so many like BIPOC creators that are willing yeah. to and able to provide like different stories and different um takes on these classic tropes that we experience and i just like i you know what maybe you're changing my mind as we record this because now i'm kind of like is this movie even like good <laughs> um i don't know it just like it is a good movie but it isn't a it's well made wheel. it's well made but it isn't a subversion of a genre that desperately needs subversion yeah and i I mean, we're going to talk, this is going to be a conversation we come back to again and again. Like, there are so many horror movies and so many horror movies with an all-white cast and all, and all-white creators and directors and writers and, and that are like, like Scream, which is one of my favorite movies ever, is subverting the genre, only it's not really. It's doing the, you know, the same thing, so... It's going to well, be something that I'm constantly subversion about. within the realm of like the ruling class, capitalism, mm-hmm. the patriarchy. Like you can subvert things, but only so far to retain their marketability and its success in right. a world built for white men by white men. So let's maybe greenlight and finance and produce some artwork made by anyone other than a white man and white men and. Yeah, a reminder to pay reparations to BIPOC in your community. Right. They have been marginalized for generations, and BIPOC voices are important, and the more reparations you pay, the more capacity they have to share their stories with you, and you will only be enriched by that experience. So don't be shitty. Don't be shitty. That's, That's the tagline. 
of our podcast. So do you want to talk a little bit about our just like abundance of very fun symbols in this movie, oh my which God. was kind of delightful. I really enjoyed right. the little like treasure hunt that we were on. I mean, so, as, yeah, as, as much shit as we were talking, it is like, I don't know, I'm watching a movie, so I'm always having fun. But Yeah, it's fun. So uh, I thought I was like a movie genius. I was like, oh my God, I am like a film critic. I understand <laughs> symbolism. I um, understand art. Like I'm so smart because I realize obviously things appear pretty frequently in threes in this movie. And as we know, threes in the occult are the um the triangle is the um symbol of summoning so of course we are summoning a demon baby so we got to have some you know supporting um occult symbolism to Threes. go on the yeah to kind of like go in hand hand in hand with that so we see three pillars on campus when samantha's walking into the student affairs office we see three people coming out of the student affairs building. She hits three sinks in a bathroom. Megan takes three candies. Mr. Megan. Ullman offers her $300. He mentions the pizza person three times. She makes three phone calls. We have three lighters when Megan gets shot in the head. Uh, three mentions of the eclipse. And this one we're still undecided on. Three coven members. Because I, my vote is that mother, mother, father, son make up this sort of like unholy trinity. And then mother witch demon is uh, their sort of like deity. So I don't think mother witch demon technically counts as a coven member. Right. She's like their, yeah, their leader-ish. Yeah. Of course, the eclipse is extremely loaded. We have the mm. babysitter trope along with the virgin whore dichotomy. Um, we have a lot of pizza. If you are interested in a horror movie with just a lot of pizza mentions. Pizza references. Pizza yeah. has a lot of screen time. More screen time probably than Candyman had. What? Oh, definitely. Uh, there wasn't not one mention of pizza. Not enough for me. And phones. Phones are a big one. What an 80s thing. Phone calls. Why are ringing payphones so creepy? Like a payphone ringing. <laughs> it's not like. It's like oh. Yeah jolt of noise if you were I, born um after the year 2000 um i don't know why you would why you're either. why are you here you're too <laughs> young old. get out yeah. um but yeah i kind of miss pay phones like when i was um which now that i'm thinking of it is kind of fucked up when i would have to go home sick from school the nurse would not always let you use your her phone in her office if you had to go home sick what? so sometimes i had to carry coins for the payphone to call my parents to pick me up when i was sick what the fuck hey uh woodbury middle school what the fuck <laughs> that's that's terrible i don't i mean i don't know how many payphones i've used in my life probably a few but yeah they're like they're, they're cheap and they're necessary and i don't know why we ever got rid of them it feels yeah, classist still need payphones it totally is classist yeah, I yeah. Like sometimes your phone is dead, or sometimes people who don't have cell phones need to make a fucking phone call. Yeah, sometimes they need help or emergency services, medical right. attention. Have free accessible phones available to the population. Damn. Anyway, yeah. Look at actually, us, they right shouldn't even there. be pay phones. They should just be phones. <laughs> just public phones. It's like public restrooms. I don't understand why they're not. I have to pee all the time, and I can never find a public restroom. I know. I have to go into restaurants, and I know that people hate me, but it's like I have to like go to the bathroom. I'm not going to yeah. just like pee my pants because <laughs> you don't want me in here if I didn't order linguine or whatever, you know? Right. Yeah. Especially in Boston. Like, 
Oh God! If you have to find a Starbucks and not a Dunkin' Donuts, like you'll you'll pee before you find one. One time, I was taking the B line uh, from Brighton all the way to the South End, and Ugh. for work, yeah. And I had to get off at like the one of the BU stops to pee in a Starbucks uh, on my way to work, and then my zipper on my pants broke in the bathroom, and then I had to just like sadly trek back to the B line. Thankfully, with an empty bladder, but also with a zipper on my pants completely busted. Oh. I mean, if there was a montage of my life of all the times I've peed in public restrooms, it would be very long. It'd be like, I'm always. That's like, I have like a sixth sense for where. Yeah, you have to know where, where toilets are. are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the um, Boston Public Library. That's where I like to go to the bathroom. Yeah, I've definitely yeah. taken emergency poops in there before but <laughs> yeah you have to know the good places around the city to be able to dump out in an emergency definitely true it's also like um i've been in public restrooms with like people for sure shooting up right next to me like i can Dude, hear it i saw people like I can... shooting up out in the open on the greenway last summer and i was like yeah. i don't fault you for this but like dude are you okay can Are I you know? okay? Like, I don't have... Oh, yeah. Everybody carry Narcan if you can. Um, You could save someone's mm. life. Right. Because I didn't have Narcan in this ex- this specific instance. And, yeah, it was just brutal. Like... <sighs> what are we doing? Anyway. <laughs> What's okay. tangent have we gone on now? Sorry. Sorry, everyone. Mm-hmm. They're So, fine. yes. This movie is extremely white. It felt intentionally white. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like... There was any like need or desire to diversify the experiences in this movie. Uh, I think that is probably the movie's biggest problem. I mean, yeah, I I don't know. Representation matters. I feel like we've we've treaded this territory, but it's important to say and to point out. So <laughs> I just dropped my headphone. Uh, so this is also coming from an extremely uneducated um, person on these matters. But right. I think that uh, the co-opting of eclipses uh, as something grotesque, um, like usually indigenous people have associations for the moon that have to do with fertility, moon tides, femininity. And this is sort of like the co-opting of that femininity and sacred uh, experience is something that's intentionally grotesque. Like Samantha's motherhood is, first of all, something that she didn't acquiesce to, so it's done uh, without her consent. And secondly, it's a grotesque experience. It's categorized as something disgusting that will produce presumably a disgusting creature. And, yeah, that also pisses me off, is that, like, she, I don't, she doesn't get a happy ending, number one. Our final girl doesn't get out. But I don't also, think she has much of her skull left, yeah. Right. And then she, yeah, so she was this young woman with agency who was trying to be independent and try and, doesn't you know, trying to do things on her own without a man. She never mentions a boyfriend or anything. And... And then she's tur- then they you know rape her, they give her a baby, and then that's it. She tries to kill herself. She would rather kill herself than be be a 
the mother and I mean she has to experience the trauma of killing other people and fighting her way out of a situation where she's endangered so basically they take every bit of agency and every bit of her identity away from her uh, because she becomes mother so mother must now be her identity she is nothing outside of the baby that she has uh, been forced to conceive and carry and they're like one of the times that we see her doing things on her own, like unprompted by anyone else, is like her snooping, which was like an interesting set of scenes. Is like she goes into these rooms and you think something's going to happen, but it's not. I loved it. The snooping with no consequences. Yeah, because that's exactly except what I would for do. the demon pregnancy. That was a consequence. that was a big consequence. Yeah, but but no one caught her snooping. Yeah, they knew. They were... my question is. If you find a picture of another family, like, you're in a house, it's kind of weird, you're not getting good vibes, you know, uh, and there's a picture of another family, like, squirreled away, obviously not supposed to be viewed, like, the fact that she resumed kind of any normalcy in her snooping after that was really confusing to me. I was like, I think That's I what I'm left. saying. Suspension of disbelief, like, girl, get yeah. the fuck out. What are girl. you doing? But then creepy pizza man would have caught her. But then it's also like they didn't want her to die. So she had a chance. Take that butcher knife. Right. tail it out of there. Get out. She, okay, so my question is, she orders the pizza. She gets the pizza. They have done something to it. Where did they get the pizza from? Did creepy guy I'm go get it? You. In creepy Megan's car? Went- he, no, because Megan's car is still in the cemetery when she runs out. Remember? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He has, he's got the van, right? But we never see the van leave. She would have seen the van leave. Did the almonds yeah. get it? Where did the almonds park when they came back? Where did they go? Yeah, where did they go? Maybe they Maybe went, to, they get went to get the pizza. I don't know. What'd they put on it? Arsenic? No. She would be dead. She'd die. Probably, like, comet. Chloroform. Comet. <laughs> Just knock her out for a little bit. Sleeping. It's a 90s movie or an 80s movie, right? Sleeping potion. I don't know. And they're, yeah, just like strange, strange choices. Like, why, why the hair in the tub? What's with the hair? Yeah, I mean, I, whose hair, like, because we know Mrs. Ullman is bald, so maybe she, like, stylized her wig. wig. But in that case, it's like, I mean, I guess it's like a little gross that it's not gotten rid of. But it's like, whatever, it's hair. Like, I don't know. I wasn't convinced by hair in the tub. It was disgusting. Yeah. And the whatever she's like, I guess she, what you said, it's like, there's the time where she, before she goes up to the attic, after she throws the pizza away, she's like, rinses her mouth out and fills up her water bottle and then she's like looking in the sink and there's like a little piece of like food but it, I don't know the camera focus is focuses in on it and I yeah. was like why are we what looking at this? What do we need this? to know about the food? And yeah. then I mean I feel like you do hear a lot of plumbing noises and there is kind of emphasis like we see the toilet we see the, the sink many times we see the sink drip three times so I understand plumbing as like a through line of the house, but then mm-hmm. um, I thought it was trying to direct our attention down to the basement, but then Samantha continues to go up the stairs, and right. then we see the like crone hand in the attic. So I was like, where do you want us? What do you want? <laughs> where am I? What's, Which, yeah, what's I my mean, orientation? Yeah, it could have been like an intentional disorientation, but I feel like it was more like muddying the plot line that 
was like barely hanging on by a thread anyway oh my mm. god you have turned me against this movie rebecca i'm so sorry i yeah i, I knew I, this would happen i so we can talk about why um i'm like a little annoyed with the director uh he is like a white guy which is fine you can't help that right nobody asked for to be born um but he talking about casting in this movie he was so in this interview that I read with Blender I think um he says tons of like babes came in and auditioned but they didn't get the movie you know what I mean and they came in and like the tang tops and it was just like um this is a different movie this isn't about you you know a particular statement on sexuality that shouldn't be on display I was like um okay Okay, Ty West, this movie isn't about you, even though you we have a female protagonist. So I'm sorry, what? So if it's not about the female protagonist, who almost every shot is of, then what are we supposed to take away from this if not this? Like, what that final tells girl me, setup? yeah, what that tells me is that this is about his idea of female sexuality and what he right. perceives to be good or bad about his female protagonist sexuality. So it's really about and of his course, sexuality. Samantha is meek. She is, like, acquiesces pretty constantly to what people in the movie are, like, asking of her or imposing on her. She uh, isn't firm with her roommate at all, or if she is, we can assume that it happened before the movie and is, like, a lost cause, but she things just happen to her. Um, Mm -hmm. And she has not any real agency in her life. And then she acquiesces to every insane thing that Mr. Ullman says. The weirder it gets, like, she just seems fine with it. So Mm -hmm. Ty West is basically then constructing his perfect idea of a virginal final girl to whom consent is not important and who will pretty much roll with whatever her white oppressor tells her to do. Right. Yeah. Ew. I was a little All right, upset. well, Rebecca wins this round. I will never watch this movie again. Wait till the next one. I'm sure we'll disagree. I, I, and whatever. I think there are some good, you know, like, Sam is poor. We never get to see a poor person represented without, like, you know, I, she doesn't let the wealthy person swoop in and save her. Yeah, and she is... But also, don't you think that assuming that the wealthy person swoops in to save her is internalized capitalism, saying that it's a negative thing for someone to help you? Right. Yeah, like, take someone's money. It's just money. Yeah. I'll take anyone's money. Do you want to give me money? I'll take it. Right. And I mean the whole, I really, I think, like, I just don't like Satanist satan narratives anymore it's overdone now it's every movie is like demons it was demons it was satan satanist did it now maybe not so much yeah satan is not in the game to fuck up your shit god is the really evil one god is the patriarchal violent oppressor not and i i mean like just trying to live yeah he's just hanging out but uh, maybe in 2009 it wasn't I can't really remember so long what ago what was 2009 um, but like all, all we're doing is pushing Christ- evangelical fundamental evangelical Christian yeah. ideals so this cool. like good bad Satan God binary when of course 
heaven, hell, God, Satan don't exist, but it's kind of fun to say hail Satan because, you know, Satan's an anarchist. They have right. no um, no loyalties to any organized government or systems. They are just living. For the and people. And I mean, Satan has a lot of minions. Does God have a lot of minions? I don't, I don't know. So. I mean, if we're talking about mega churches, then yes, he does. But No, I mean like cool minions like angels you know yeah fat like, babies fat like hooty yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah all you have is fat babies god and satan has like devils and stuff demons right cool sexy i'm a demonologist <laughs> <laughs> um, well yeah. what do you think have we rambled enough i think probably yeah yeah uh, it was so we are at spooky succubus underscore cast on Instagram. Oh, yeah. yeah. Our email is spooky succubus underscore cast at gmail.com. Don't is it? email us if you Don't, have I'm anything gonna, annoying to say. Read. Yeah. No, I, I can't, I can't read. read. <laughs> I, I refuse. We are happy that you're here. Remember to take an anti racist action today. Uh, and remember to try to continue enjoying horror movies through a lens of um, equity. And, you know, don't be afraid to start hating a movie that you've loved for like 11 years. I'm so sorry. Um, because your friend you. just kind of like toppled your dreams. But that's life, you know? My bad. I, so we'll I be also. Back. I love a lot of movies that are terrible and bad and have bad things to say about things that care that are really important to me, like feminism and anti-racism. And, you know, like I love those movies, even though they're bad. So problematic faves are part of life and we accept them, embrace them. But we also stay informed, vigilant and stay critical. Totally. Yeah. So this has been the Spooky Succubus cast. I'm Abby, and we don't have a formal sign-off yet. So Right. I'm Rebecca. Okay, bye. bye. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. <laughs>